The postseason is here, and the Ringer NBA show has you covered with Real Ones, Group Chat, The Answer, and Ringer NBA Postgame. Check out the Ringer NBA show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Fussing with plastic cards should be a thing of the past. Instead, pay the Apple way. Apple Pay is easy, secure, and built into iPhone. All you have to do is set it up. Just add a card in the wallet app, and you're good to go. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC slim fit trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just... Once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. I need sports to have to clear the room. Stand up and walk. Now. Hello and welcome to The Watch. My name is Chris Ryan. I am an editor at TheRinger.com and joining me on the other line, grinding my bones to make his bread, it's Andy Greenwald! Oh, but Chris, I'm on keto now, so... <laughs> it's succession season! Woo! What a gift. What's up? It's Thursday in the United States of America. Andy and I are both a like about to travel. There's just like tremendous amount of lightning on the East Coast greeting our planes that we were about to fly into. But like, look, man, I saw Denzel in flight. I trust pilots. Sorry. <laughs> uh, Greenwald, what's going on with you? How are you doing? Do people remember? I mean, I know we've had a year and a half off of travel generally. Um, I Do our listeners remember that just like the disparity in personality types between the two of us? Oh, the way that we feel about flying? <laughs> Yeah. Chris <laughs> is so confident. I think it is because of Flight, honestly, a movie I will never see. But like you just deeply believe that everyone in the cockpit is Denzel, right? Well, I, and it's I just going to make not. it work. D- here's a spoiler alert about Flight. Denzel's on cocaine when that happens. Like he's he's having a rough time. You know what I mean? But That's cool. <laughs> when you see him and he's like, I'm going to roll it and he just like yeah. flips the plane and then they still land. He saves yeah. a lot of souls that day, you know? Wow. Okay. Well, I appreciate that. I'll try to remember all the information you, ju- you just told me as opposed to the screaming word terror cloud floating in my mind of lightning and cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> Andy, uh, today we're going to talk a little bit about Loki. Uh, second to last episode aired on Tuesday night, Wednesday morning. So we'll hit that. But first, there's a couple of new shows, all of which yeah. had their trailers premiere. One of which is uh, the apple of, of my eye. Uh, that's obviously scenes from marriage, but we're going to, you know, we'll dip down and talk a little bit about succession, which is only the most important thing. The really, the, the, the reason to keep, to keep going in this, in this crazy world is to get, see what, what the Roy family is up to. We've said this before. We said this, I think, I was going to say mid pandemic, but who really knows anymore? And, um, just that obviously this has wreaked havoc on lives and careers and certainly the entertainment industry. Nobody wanted Succession season three to be delayed. The pilot the actors, industry, the, the just like airline pilot industry, rocked. Total. Thank you. Well, they've had to they've had to roll themselves Denzel styles to get through it. But I think we've said this before that I do think 
in a weird way, this has helped Succession. Mm. Or at least it didn't hurt it. Because the second season was such a triumph on every level. And it was a triumph that felt cumulative, right? Like it built, the momentum built and built and the positivity and the word of mouth and just people's just total thrill ride enjoyment and happiness that they felt engaging with this show. It really crescendoed with the end of the second season, which was both thrilling, but also just absolute razor sharp, outstanding television. Yeah. And uh, a great yeah. cliffhanger, a great culmination of, of everything that had come before. You then add just a little bit more space in there for just in case people didn't get the memo. Maybe they hadn't caught up. Maybe they just got HBO Max. What should I watch? Oh, you've been talking about the show. It just feels like this rolling avalanche of inevitability that while on the air during two seasons, maybe maybe on this podcast, it occasionally felt this way, but I'm not sure if Succession had the national consciousness belt while it was airing. I think that moment has arrived, certainly as evidenced by the gleeful reaction to this trailer, which was outstanding and delivered and seemed to briefly make everyone in the hellscape of Twitter happy. Yeah, this is this is everybody's weighted blanket, man. I think that like we've we've really missed it. We really were waiting for it. I have uh two things to say. One is that sometimes I can't shed the record store employee. You can take the boy out of the record store, but you can't take the record store out of the boy. And I'm like, is this now going to not jump the shark, but like is Succession now every single person's favorite show? You know what I mean? And is that change how it's perceived, not that there's going to be a backlash, not that there's going to be some sort of like, well, it was better when it was like unaware of how people thought of these characters or unaware of like what, what its tropes were. Um, but I, you know, like that just dissolves when you watch the trailer. And the second thing I would just say is that when watching the trailer, I thought it was interesting that they started with like Kendall and Logan facing off, which could happen in episode five or could happen in the first five minutes of the season. I think if they're smart, they'll make it in the first five minutes of the season. I don't think that they'll wait and be like, what's it going to be like when Kendall and Logan see each other again? There is a little bit of of a question I have about, will this show continue to, um, now that it's so big, what does it do to evolve characters or transform characters versus like, this is who this person needs to be because this is who people want to watch. Do you know what I mean? Like, right. I, and I'm not saying is like, does cousin Greg become like an incredibly savvy, smart guy or does Tom become like, you know, a psychologist or something? I just mean, it, isn't it interesting to watch it and just see them so immediately be like, wow, you guys are playing the fucking hits so hard. You know, it's like, go, you, you go to F- Madison Square Garden, see Foo Fitters, they just start playing Everlong. Bang. <laughs> wow. I, I love that. Um, that would be great. Cause then I could, I could leave. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It would, be a, it would be a great night out for me in Manhattan. Um, could avoid some lightning. Um, it's this isn't relevant to the show's success. Are, by or, the way, I'm concerned trolling. I don't actually really care. I, 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 it's it's. I don't care if a lot of people, more people, like Succession now than did the first week it aired. And I also honestly don't really care if Kendall grows. Like I just want to see. I just want to see him say like the revolution will be televised. I mean it's. The thing about Succession, and I think you're right, I, I don't think either of us have any real concern, but I do think that you're right to point out that the potential Achilles heel of the show is the fact that within a season and a half, this was not just the most memeable show, but the most spec-scripted show. And I say that with love and awe, and what I mean by it is this show has an enormous cast. You know, I mean, 
in terms of quotable characters whom casual fans might claim to be their favorite. Yeah, it like is, J- Jerry. Yeah, right. Jerry. It is yeah. like 10, 14 people deep. And what that leads to is I'm sure if people who are writing spec drama scripts to get agents or whatever, you got to write a succession because the characters are so finely chiseled that that would be fun, you know, and also kind of doable, whether it was good enough or not. I mean, that's, that's not up to me to say, but like, that would be the, that would be the move. Right. And so then the concern as the show advances is that there's such a, it'd be so easy to let almost everyone just run ISO offense, right? Once per episode, like just let everyone do their shtick, do their thing. Right. I think the beauty of it really, and and not just the beauty of it, but honestly, the confidence comes from it as it generally does in shows like this from, from the top. And Jesse Armstrong has had the creator and, and, and showrunner has had a long track record of writing for TV and writing ensembles. And I think that his steady hand and the uh, the outstanding writing staff that he's assembled year after year has really kept it moving. You know, it's you watch a scene. Here, you know, what, you want a sports analogy? I know I just said ISO offense because that's something I learned when I watched Iverson eighty times a season. Um, Chris, you remember this? It's it's Euro season now, but you yeah. remember the two thousand eight Spanish national team? I do. Do you remember the way they played football? Tikka taka, yeah. So it was just like. Oh, Iniesta has it. Like, oh, Puyol has it. Oh, Sergio Ramos. It's like, oh, Xavi has it. Like every single one of these people is like the best person. Yeah, everybody gets touched. And they're just sharing it. And they're somehow collectively moving forward. And that is the dynamic of the show that people love. As much as they, you know, when tweeting or memeing, they love individual characters or vibes. Uh, Favorite moment from the trailer? You got one? I love the... I don't, I don't speak trailer. What, 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 what is there a term for like the big act out? Like, so that moment you quoted when the the woman is on the phone yeah, relaying uh, Logan's responses and they include, you know, the, the, the classic Jack and the Beanstalk line about grinding bones to make bread. And then, and then the laughter. I loved it so much because it just reminds me going back to Jesse Armstrong and his writers, how much they love these characters. It's delicious. They're having so much fun. The show is fun and you feel that, you know, yeah. it, it, it's when we talked to Sarah Snook about it too, like she couldn't wait to get back and do this. And what a, what a treat, what a treat for everybody. She's responsible for my favorite moment, which is Shiv spitting in the book. I don't know what, what's going on there, but I can't wait to find out. Uh, succession, succession comes this fall, uh, I believe. But like, is it, did they actually attach a date yet? Uh, I'm, I, I, I turned off the trailer before the relevant info came up. That's right. <laughs> he went, went back to flight aware to check weather I, patterns. I, I spit in my laptop <laughs> and closed it. Um, there's another show coming on HBO that I'm pretty excited about. Uh, it's coming in September and uh, it's called Scenes from a Marriage. Uh, the trailer went up. Uh, it's a teaser. There's, there's very little dialogue in it. It stars Oscar Isaac and Jessica Chastain and it's an adaptation of a very famous Ingmar Bergman miniseries. Um, of the same name. And it's really cool because I don't know. I mean, like we're just two voices, right? Uh, out here in the wilderness. But what uh-huh. have I been saying for a really, really long time? You know me. The listeners know me. I've been saying that Bergman is sick fucking IP. And that there's lot, a lot of like places that we could go with the Bergman verse. And for me, it's like 
I per- obviously number one, it's like, what's the origin story of the night in Seventh Seal? You know what I mean? What's, totally. What's Death's original trauma that leads him to uh, to, to playing chess with that guy? Who taught him to play chess? Exactly. Was it Bill like, Camp in the basement of the orphanage? Does Death have like kind of a Thanos and his daughters mm-hmm. vibe going? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? What are some maybe multiversal executions of that sure. chess match? You know what I mean? For instance, also like. I feel like we're just like leaving and, and Casey boys, feel free to hit me up. We're just leaving all the wild strawberries IP out there. Like what there's a wild fruits universe out there that we could mine. There's yeah. wild cherries, there's wild kiwis, there's wild pineapples, all different, you know, p- portraits of a professor kind of reaching a, a twilight age, but, but still kind of like really invested in the fruit verse. I love when you're like, there's so many places we could go with this Bergman IP. We could go to Stockholm. We could go to Malmo. <laughs> we could go back to Stockholm. That's you right. know? That's right. I mean, what more can one say? Yeah, it's interesting because this is one of those things. Um, and listen, everybody listening, I don't need to prove my Bergman bona fides on this podcast. Everybody, everybody knows. knows you, everybody your, your Criterion knows. library card is like dog-eared. It's well-worn. Yeah. But... In a, in a way where you're reaching this point with IP where we've dug so deep into the loamy soil of entertainment that we are now pulling up the old vines, like the grandfather roots. And the danger of that is we're pulling up the things that th- have, have themselves been so stripped bare, so, so mined, so cloned that the original feels a little bit off. This was something that I think came up when we were discussing the Peacock uh, adaptation of Brave New World. Brave New World is like an urtext for a lot of science fiction storytelling. And after decades of its offspring and people imitating it and inspired from it, there wasn't, didn't feel like there was that much new to say with the original. And we're sort of circling back on that with doing Lord of the Rings again, seeing if there's something relevant and new to say in Isaac Asimov's foundation, which Apple is making. And Scenes from a Marriage is the independent film movement and television for the last 30 years in a lot of ways. Like, And not just that, like the people that it influenced when it was released 50, almost 50 years ago now, are the influencers of the people who are making these things now. So that's, it does feel like whenever we talk about trailers, there's an element of concern trolling, but that is what's kind of interesting to me about this, you know, um, in it. And because of that, it's all in the execution because, you know, a, a hyper exacting, sensitive, microscopic surgery of upper middle-class white people's emotional problems, you know, we may have been overserved at the bar. <laughs> and I, I'm not sure if I'm ready to go back. If I'm concerned trolling this, first of all, I'm really excited for this. Like, I, I, I am. Say the cast. Did we say the cast? Oh, you said the yeah, cast. Yeah, Oscar Isaac and Jessica Chastain. And I, 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 do, I will say it's hard to imagine people that hot being unhappy. I know that it happens. <laughs> but This is a take. I want to clear out. I want you to do this No, one. it's just, I'm just saying, like, honestly... I get it. Like any, anyone can, can get struck by the blues. You know, it, it comes for all of us at a certain point and, and not, you know, all unhappy families are unhappy in their own way. But, right. but it's just really weird to like look at those two and be like, you two are two of the most beautiful humans who have ever walked this earth. So to watch the two of you shouting at each other and ripping off your, your rings and crying, it's like 
just guys, just look in the mirror and have a pina colada. You know what I mean? I mean, Oscar Isaac does have his drama hair in this. I one, know he does you know? his Lou and, and Davis. His beard. Like I'm, I'm a schlub. It's like, no, you're not, dog. Come on. I know. <laughs> I know. There's the thing is originally when this was announced, it was Oscar Isaac and Michelle Williams. And I am a fan of, of Jessica Chastain, who is, who is coming back for it this mm-hmm. year, coming for the belt, coming for the EGOT with, um, eyes of Tammy Faye she wa- also. Yeah. Jessica wants her corners back. And, but that said, and, and, you know, who am I to suggest that we, that we may have already seen Michelle Williams in a crumbling marriage one to 12 times. Who am I to say that? But there's yeah. some, there's a particular. But it's like Seth Rogen gets to be like a man yeah, child no, who fine. finds like, who gets transformed. But there's an energy that Oscar Isaac and Jessica Chastain bring to a production that I like to refer to as the Tish Senior Thesis Show 2005. You know, like, like both of them, it's not just like they went to Prague, went to Prague. They went to drama school, went to drama school. Yeah. You know what I mean? And when the vows start breaking on the large coastal rocks of reality. If these vows are rocking, don't come a knocking. I, I, I just, there, there's an element where it's just like, you know, you just kind of want to like stand up and applaud or drink a $25 whiskey out of a plastic cup that they served you at intermission. There's sure. something very theatrical about it. We should mention um, that the show was, this 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 was adapted, uh, reimagined, uh, created by Hagai Levy, who's an Israeli television creator. He created the original um, In Treatment and The Affair. Um, so light, lighter fare then. You know. Lighter fare. This is yeah. this is what he's interested in. Um, I, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know if I have it in me, man. I don't know. Okay, here's the thing. I'm I'm in. Yeah. I I think that it, much like uh, mid-air disaster films, That's right? Our mileage may vary in this topic, but yeah, I this curious. is a ground disaster film. This is a how 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 fascinating do you find it to watch? Like, how fascinated are you by couples fighting as dramatic material? Because oh, my I, thing I, is, like, here's yeah. my thing. I, I, I think of it like tennis. Like, I'm down to watch it four times a year. Honestly, twice. <laughs> like, I'm not going to watch the U.S. Open, and I'm probably only going to watch the finals. And the, the Swedes are of, very good at it. The Swedes only, are. That's right. Stephane I'm only going to watch the finals of the French Open, really. Right. And it's going to be Nadal. But Wimbledon and the U.S. Open, I love it. Let's do it. And... I'm in. I can't do it every week. I can't do it every night of the week. If you gave me 30 couples falling apart shows, I wouldn't be able to handle it. But also, Chris, you don't, in your free time, you never go and, and, and rally a little bit. You don't play tennis. That's true. You know what I mean? That's true. So I feel like, yeah, I don't. <laughs> I this like is a good, that's, this that's is a, a good, very layered statement you just made. Sure. <laughs> this is a good episode for um, things that you really love. Like airplane disasters, <laughs> flying like and what fighting. We're, what we're about to, the Chris Ryan experience, uh, what we're about to talk about with the North Water, like just things that appear incepted from your mind. I have a thing, and I say this, I, I, I'm not trying to be cagey. I, I do not have, there. there isn't a fireworks show every night in my home, uh, verbally speaking or conflict speaking, but um, it's interesting. I mean, maybe I'll save this for therapy, but like there's some, it's like when you hear someone else's baby crying, mm-hmm. uh, I, I, some people who have kids when their kids get out of that stage are like, Oh, well it's okay. Like I'm calm. You know what I mean? It still ch- chills me to my spine. And there's something about that tenor of fighting conversation, but also just the slow, like an airplane disaster movie. 
you watch the plane take off, you've seen the trailer and you know, you know what I mean? And I think that's part of the feeling that I bring into a series like this. And there have been series like this where it's like, I, I know they told me to buckle my seatbelt. I know I've been handed a drink and a bag of peanuts and I know that we will land, but that turbulence light is on. You know what I mean? I just, uh, you know, I think partially it's because, you know, I, I, I feel like I'm also like, in, you know, it, been in, impacted by my wife's enthusiasm for couples fighting <laughs> for fighting <laughs> well no she but like yeah. when it's like right I, she gets excited for like the fight scene and before midnight the way like shay serrato gets excited for john wick to fight dudes you know what i mean right. like I, I the way i feel about like uh robert de niro robbing a bank like that's how she feels about that scene and there's like some iconic romantic arguments in in cinema history but like i think it is it's one of those things that's funny it's like it's so universal like if you're in a if you're in a romantic relationship or not even romantic it can be a platonic relationship and you know how these fights can kind of emerge out of nowhere like you know like a crazy out of nowhere storm or something it's it can be fun to watch i don't think that that's the entirety of the show i don't think they're gonna be fighting the entire time we're gonna watch it decay until it actually snaps but fun times good stuff to look forward to i also <laughs> chris before we do when you said uh um that what, what's it called the hit the weighted blanket did you yeah. think of that because you watched the mr corman trailer where no. that features is there heavily? a weighted blanket yeah there was another trailer up today for the apple tv yeah the joseph uh, Gordon original Levitt series show, right? yeah um which is interesting you know because i don't i don't we've had no reason to talk about joseph gordon levitt since our you know honestly abandoned uh third rock from the sun uh, recap pod i know that i was you know i had to carry you for Epis- just episode I mean, after episode we've, we found out that that was a patreon tier too far i think that's right i think that's right um i was really lift going for it if you will but you <laughs> you still got it you still I, got I it don't i just lost it um but it's just kind of an interesting character because not just because of his sitcom career and it's just being famous for a long time but there was that hot minute where he was a movie star and not just a movie star, but like he was really good in the Nolan movies. He was good in the third Batman movie. He was good in Inception. And he just took a break. My guy just took a break. Like as the only apparently healthy child star ever, he could just relax for a minute. He and obviously get married, wants kids. to make his own stuff. He's a, he's a very creative yeah. person. He's, he's, a, he had, um, I can't remember the name of the company that he has, but like where it's like, you know, a basically hit record, hit, hit record, hit record yeah, hit where it's record, like a, a whole community of artists making stuff all the time. And I'll be interested to see to the extent to which this show is an extension of that aesthetic. It does seem to be. I mean, it's sort of a whimsical, it appears to be sort of a whimsical, uh, musical or music inspired piece about uh, a frustrated teacher who gave up on other dreams, but can still get Deborah Winger singing and dancing, which by the way, that's awesome. Um, But there's a weighted blanket joke in it. Yeah, that's coming in August. But this is just prelude because of what you really want to talk about. Yeah, and I mean, I, and I, I'm going to let you do it. I want to talk about the North Water because I've been handed something, and it's a it's a dispatch from Taboo Island. Now, ordinarily, Sasha is producing us today. She's been uh, wonderful. She 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 matched our enthusiasm for Succession when we signed on for a Zoom. Sasha, I would usually ask Kaya to play Ashokan Farewell underneath this this monologue, but you don't feel the need don't feel the need to do that because it's really just about I'm talking to Andy here, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. dear Andy. It has been many a fortnight since we last corresponded. Whence I last wrote, I was venturing across the Atlantic with the homie James Delaney. It's been an arduous journey with no end, but I bring good tidings. Hmm. While we both anxiously await the second season of Taboo to wash up in the new world, 
the North Water is going to scratch our 19th century bearded badasses on a boat itch. So this is a new show that I am very excited about starring, starring Colin Farrell, Jack O'Connell, and Stephen Graham about a 19th century, I assume. Incredible. Uh, didn't, didn't time check that. Whaling expedition. Somewhere very cold. It's written and directed by Andrew Hay, who did, um, I think, The Weekend. Is that the name of the, the, the movie? It's called Weekend. Yeah, Weekend. great film. And uh, it's just like an incredible it, filmmaker. It, it created and directed a lot of Looking. Yeah. A show we were just uh, reminiscing over because Murray Bartlett from Looking is in The White Lotus, which That's is right. premiering on HBO this weekend. I I will say the North Water is, is playing to an audience of one. I mean, there may yeah. be more people there, but like, Few people are as ready to watch shows set in the 19th century on boats as I am. It's incredible. I mean, I don't know. We never really did a follow-up because I think longtime fans and Grantland readers know your prevailing thesis statement, which is that the sea is dope. Mm -hmm. The frozen sea. It's a whole other animal. Right? Its dopeness is honestly still up for debate because in the terror, it's not so hot. Right. You know, and in, in Northwater, it doesn't look like those guys are having a great time. I mean, so it, it's as if, though, the homies at BBC and AMC Plus, like they they gather together their creative brain trust, you know, like in a, in a Mad Men style room. They locked the door and they were like, gentlemen, we have a new target, a target of one. And they pulled the cloth that was covering the easel. And there's just. The, a still from the gif of you playing air guitar, <laughs> you know, and it was just like, and then, and then they like brought in some supplementary, supplementary materials and they brought in C is dope. They brought in everything you ever said publicly about taboo. They brought in every text you sent me when I stopped watching taboo, which they was in, literally like 18 lines into the taboo pilot, uh, right? A hundred percent. Yeah. They said they brought in the head that Antarctica yeah, horror I, show I, that fuck. Yeah. Yes. Yes. They brought in The Terror season one. They brought in they, they brought in my of, annual viewing of The Thing, John Carpenter's The Thing. Yes. My, my more than once viewing of Mary Elizabeth Winstead's remake or reboot of The Thing. <laughs> wow. Yeah. They, I, make, let it snow. It's so dope. They brought in the seven minutes of podcast audio where you explain that your favorite type of thing is when people gather in a natural setting, like a beach, and everything goes to shit. Yeah. And then they were like, what is this missing? What is the Tesla battery pack that will allow this show to flourish? Ray even in an Coro. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they were just like, who is the MVP of Chris's superego? It is friend of the watch, Colin Farrell. He, uh, he is in this show. It looks like he is completely going for it. And... Uh, Jack O'Connell plays the ship surgeon. I don't is, think we is Jack O'Connell from McMafia. Is that the no, dude? that's James something. Jack Jack O'Connell is like he was in Forty Seven or seven, I can't remember what the name of the IRA movie he was in. Oh right, okay. and he was in Angelina Jolie's movie. I'm really that's I, right. I'm blanking on like every he, single yes, thing. Yes, he was he's the, done. he was the young soldier who who went through hell and back. And in he the was Angelina in uh, Jolie Scott film. Frank. He was in uh, Godless. Jack O'Connell was that's in Godless. Right. He can't speak for most of it. Uh, let me just say, I, I do think that, like, I want to bring surgeons back. Like, where you just have, like, a surgeon kind of, like, as your sidekick all the time. Well, oh, no. Chris, a disgraced surgeon. That's even better. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm personally willing to sacrifice my body for a redemption arc. What is the preferred word to be placed before surgeon in a sentence? Is it neuro, 
Is it highly respected or is it disgraced? And I think if you're watching a television show on the couch with Chris Ryan, it's the latter. You don't want like a, a competent surgeon. You want a guy no. who's got the shakes for yeah. some reason. Yeah. A reason we'll find out. Especially the, when anesthesia is still an emerging science. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're still debating it. Um, we could give you this laudanum or you could just bite this stick for two yeah, hours. Exactly. Which would you prefer? My favorite part of the trailer, and it's it's great. The trailer is great. And the trailer is great in the same way like Spinal Tap is great because you're like, we get it. And then they're like, do you? Here's six more shots of Colin Farrell stabbing something off camera so blood blows back on his face. <laughs> That's right. And then with 30 seconds left, someone turns to the camera and is just like, there are no devils out there. The only <laughs> devils are the ones inside of men. It's like, oh, you guys are the bad guys? You were serious about that? Uh, Didn't get that. Could you imagine the like the open casting call for this show was just a line of just thick neck British dudes? Like, <laughs> can you imagine like any we're gonna need you to was grow like, a can beard? I audition? And yeah. they were like, no, <laughs> no, love. no, sorry, no, not today. Sorry, we, the, the role of the surgeon is filled. Uh, yeah, I'm really excited for that. A lot of good TV coming up. We're gonna have a lot of fun. Uh, <laughs> let's have a lot of fun talking about the second to last episode of Loki coming up after this. Fussing with plastic cards should be a thing of the past. Instead, pay the Apple way. Apple Pay is easy, secure, and built into iPhone. All you have to do is set it up. Just add a card in the wallet app and you're good to go. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag. There's too much work for your team, too many different processes, and it takes forever to close the books. If this sounds like you, you should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25 and one. 37,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. It's a cloud financial system that can help streamline accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25, that's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do more with less. And one, because your one-of-a-kind business deserves a customized solution for your KPIs. It's like when you come here for this podcast or when you check out your favorite website to gather all the info you need to make better decisions for your fantasy leagues. Well, NetSuite does that for your business and then some. It's one efficient system, one source of truth with everything you need to grow. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Just because you wrestle alligators for a living doesn't mean you should have the skin of one. Say goodbye to dry and cracked skin with Old Spice Super Hydration Body Wash with Vitamin B3. Made for 24-7 renewing moisturization with daily use. With scents of vanilla and shea, people will think you've taken up candle making as one of your hobbies. And there is nothing wrong with that. Old Spice Super Hydration Body Wash. Shop Old Spice now. All right, Andy, um, this episode of Loki, very enjoyable. 
uh, you know, just delightful to see Richard Grant and an alligator chewing scenery, quite literally in some cases, uh, was a, a, to some degree, I thought it did a little bit of like running in place to get to the, like the, the, whatever the finale is. Obviously we get the big, big moment at the end of the episode where it's like the doors are opening and end, and then, you know, we have to wait for the next episode to find out what's going on. Um, I gather from my uh, work online that I've been doing in terms of educating myself about this this whole situation with that Loki's going through that this was maybe like frame for frame the most marveliest Marvel Marvel hour ever. Like there was so much stuff in there that if you are reading Avengers number whatever or Thor this or whatever, like you were just like I'm in I'm in heaven. Yes and no. And I say that as someone who is aware of some of the Marvel stuff, but just generally a bigger fan of what the show is doing. And the reason I say yes and no, it's because there was a lot of, there were a lot of Easter eggs, but they were very specifically chosen, I think, to fit obviously the interests of the creative team of the show, but also the vibe of this story. And what I mean is, I, I think a lot of people online, and I, we always say this with a caveat, I think that if this is your how you get enjoyment from this, then like that's awesome. That is that seems both fun and time consuming. But pour over every frame of a Marvel entertainment in search of not just Easter eggs, but clues that will le- make up a crumb trail towards what's coming next. This isn't that kind of Easter eggs. This was brief a brief glimpse of Frog Thor, which is a thing that happened in a funny comic book. There is a glimpse in the background of a Thanos helicopter, which is a sort of wink towards a 1960s comic when before Thanos was like the true big evil of the universe who's in love with his true mistress death and he had a helicopter. You know what I mean? Like, so it, it's, it's, it's the same sort of winking whimsy um, that is that I love in the twisted and convoluted 60 year history of Marvel comics. And that I think this show loves as well. And I just continue to be impressed by the fact that the show is telling an emotional story that is doing massive retconning of a major character. Um, But also, while the stakes are going higher and higher, has Richard E. Grant in the Loki costume from the 60s uh, in bright green spandex. It has, uh, you know, important dialogue that it gives to an animated clock. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it has and this uh, actually the like ultimate... a weirdly emotional moment with that clock when it was like yes. looking for the file and I'm like oh shit yes it was kind of wonderful and ultimately alligator Loki which you just sometimes you just got to respect the commitment the thing that made that good wasn't just that Michael Waldron or the writers room or whatever were like also an alligator it was that every time someone said something important or portentous it went. Reaction shot, bang, bang, bang. Richard E. Grant, Kid Loki, sometimes Sylvie, Alligator Loki. It treated the alligator like a member of the ensemble. And for that, I salute this show. They they made their little baby Yoda run with that gator, man. Like it was, <laughs> I was like, it? this is this gator is fucking entertaining. You know? Yeah. Like I, I was really into it. I also thought they did a good Chekhov's gator thing with like He'll bite your hand if you if you're not careful, and then he really goes after that Loki. That was a great Monty Python moment of like the the sort of gruff Loki getting his hand bitten off. Spoiler alert, I guess if you haven't watched it, but you're listening to this. Um, 
What did you think of the episode, though? I mean, are you kind of at the point now, especially with with this series, but maybe the entire experiment where you're not necessarily like the stock price doesn't change that much on a week to week basis? The show is a success in my book. And the show is a success because it was as as interested in earning the Loki Mobius hug as it is potentially revealing the villain from Ant-Man 3, um, which, which we should speak about in a second. That is a sign for me of a well-balanced piece of franchise IP entertainment because it has serviced the character stories and the characters along the way. I mean, the, the, the Sylvie Loki stuff that the, the, the progression of Tom Hiddleston's performance, which is really very good and, and nuanced and impressive. He's still playing the same character he's been playing and sometimes multiple versions of him, but it's distinct now from the ones that existed in the other movies in a way that is very appealing and very charming and makes me excited about potential stories. That's, that's been my viewing pleasure. And this episode, there is a, there is a, yeah, there's a, there's a viewing of this where you could be like, it just kind of ran in place. This was the one bracketed for this world and they had fun with it. And then they killed the world, right. And moved on to something else, but so be it. It, it, it entertained in a way that for me, the best Marvel movies have done and also made me care on an episodic TV basis as to these characters that said, and we should, we, I know we'll get into it. Like the thumb on the scale, the Feige thumb on the scale of what does it mean and what's happening begin, began to feel unavoidable in this episode in ways that may have disrupted some people's enjoyment. It's been really interesting to watch over the course of these three shows, each one of which have had their very obvious and then maybe more subtle themes to varying. I, and I have varying levels of affection for each one of them. And, and the, tension between those themes and whatever they want to do with characters. And I think in a lot of ways, probably that's the, aside from the paycheck and this celebrity, the lure to get Elizabeth Olsen to continue to play Wanda in this format or to get Paul Bettany to do Vision again is to get give them something to do outside of just like run from one room into another and say, look over there. The tension between those like emotional moments and the emotional themes of these shows and this like looming at some point, there is going to be this delivery that we get that is going to, quote unquote, make it worth it or explain everything or set something up. Because I think everybody is kind of like watching these things being like, are we going to, is this eventually going to accumulate to the point where we now have an understanding of where the next five to 10 movies are going to go? Because I think that everybody is sort of expecting Marvel to repeat what they did from 08 to 18. But I don't know if they're going to do that. You know, I, I saw recently that Feige was like, we're not signing people for nine movie deals. Now, most actors, I'm sure, are probably like, if I'm playing somebody who's like incredibly popular and these movies continue to be the only thing that seems to matter, I'd be a loon to walk away from playing Captain America or whatever, right? Honestly, it, it's there's, a, there's an economic model that we're not privy to behind that that makes that make sense for them. Like Because there was the cost-effective version of it, right? Where it's like you lock someone down. And especially, I think they got what... I mean, what a return they got on their investment in like Chris, Chris Hemsworth and Tom Hiddleston. Um, but I think the example for me, certainly from the Thorverse, is Natalie Portman, mm -hmm. who was like, that was a weird thing that didn't feel that fun. So I'm good. I'm going to go back to Oscar bait. And then all of a sudden Taika takes over and it's like, why don't we give you the hammer and just have a blast? And she's like, 
yes, why would I not do that? And right. they are they are in that position now. So I guess we're alluding to this idea, and this is to come up with, in WandaVision, it was like, who's Monica going to go meet? And everybody was like, is that going to be Reed Richards? And then... That's your, that's your jam. Well, I was just... I was I like, That was a very exciting 10 days on the internet where it was just like, how the fuck is this going to... And then in Falcon and Winter Soldier, it's like, who's the power broker? In this show, it's who runs the TVA, who invented the TVA. Um, do you, I mean, are you indulging in these theories at all? Or do you have like, do you have a clubhouse favorite? Well, I think there's, there, there's, a, there, there's two ways to answer that question. Um, and do you first care? is to, well, okay, then I'll, I'll, I'll answer that too. I think the first way is to sort of run right at internet speculation, which has a good reason for existing and that it's Kang season. And Kang is a very long run. I mean, I think created in the 60s, Kang the Conqueror, a 31st century scientist and adventurer who becomes obsessed with time travel and the time stream and keeps showing up and screwing things up for the Avengers. And sometimes he's maybe related to Reed Richards. Sometimes he comes back and a kid version of him becomes Iron Lad, the young Iron Man that leads the young Avengers. I mean, there's, it's a very convoluted history. Um there are three reasons why it's very plausible that that's Kang's castle or Kang is behind the TVA. One is that um, Jonathan Majors, the actor who is now free from any responsibilities he might have had at from Lovecraft with HBO Country, from yeah. Lovecraft Country uh, was cast as Kang. So Kang is Kang Cummin. Kang is a thing in the in the MCU and is slated to appear in Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, which is probably filming now and will be out, I think, next year um kang is obsessed with time and time manipulation and time control um so is this series if there is going to be a man behind the curtain of something like the tva in the mcu it, it ought to be kang three and this is something that even your boy you know deep cuts over here had no knowledge of or noticing of is that i don't know if you noticed this but like gugu mbatha raw's character in the first episode, as far as I know, it was just called like judge, like mm -hmm. time judge. And then last week they called her by her first name for the first time. And I was like, oh, okay. And then this week, everyone kept saying Renslayer, Ravana Renslayer is here. Oh, let's go. And I was like, oh, did she, did they circulate some new paperwork that everyone needs to say her name more? But of course they were saying it to be noticed so that people would Google it and realize that, that, her that character that character's name is a prominent character in 60 years of Marvel storytelling as the true love of Kang. Yeah. Who, Kang is constantly chasing this woman. Now that she's Talk not about scenes from a marriage. Am I right? I would rather watch that one, but she isn't, uh, in the TVA. She isn't a minute man turned judge. I mean, that's all folded into the show in the way that I think the best MCU projects do that the, the, the sky monster with a name that I misheard for the entire episode. Um, Aleth, is, Aleth, Aleth, right? Something like that. Something like that is a thing from yeah. a random Avengers side story in, from 2004. So they, they are harvesting stuff um, and using it and maybe using it better than it was used in the comics. But anyway, all this is to say, yes, all signs point to Kang. However, we have now watched almost three complete MCU shows. Mm -hmm. And the lesson, if we could draw one, is that you know, there might be feints and hints and moving of chess pieces for future big screen uh, exploits. But so far, what happens on TV stays in TV. And the much more likely outcome here is another Loki, mm -hmm. right? Because the show's called Loki, 
There are a lot of Lokis. And maybe the goal here is to have this this variant Tom Hiddleston be the one true Loki to lead them all. That would emotionally make sense with the show we've been watching and the type of storytelling we've, we've been seeing. Wouldn't you feel, would it be cool to see a Marvel supervillain and Jonathan Majors, who I like a lot as an actor, sitting on a throne in there? That would be exciting. Yeah. But if we are considering this as the first season of a TV show, wouldn't it be wouldn't it be disappointing ultimately to be like, I know you love this. You'll love it more in Ant-Man and Wasp Mania, which I think would feel like a letdown. I feel like this show has a chance to say one thing and be done with it. And I think I would prefer that. Okay. I agree with you. I mean, like, I think that we're getting a little too precious with how we learn about this stuff. Like I yeah, maybe Marvel right. is. Like I think Marvel, like, I can't remember the exact like sequence of it, but like Thanos showed up his his the like what he looked like evolved slightly i think over the course well, of like those stingers right? Thanos like, was in the end credit sequence of the first avengers in 2012 before josh brolin was cast exactly right and i you know i think for a lot of people that probably meant a lot and then for a lot of people who saw avengers they were like i don't know who this guy is seems seems like serious though so i kind of do wonder whether or not he's got to play like his hand eventually like a little bit because it's not necessary. I, I agree with you. There, there is a completely successful version of Loki that has basically another Loki on the other side of that or, or, or whoever, but like this seems like there's too many signs that it's building towards something for it to never build towards anything. The momentum goes, I don't think it's all just the creation of people who speculate too much online to be like, this is setting up the multiverse and then it's also setting up Mephisto and setting up this guy and Reed Richards has to show up. Like it's, that feels like it's gonna happen. They, they know better than we do. They, they have a plan. And I think what makes the plan a good one is that they probably have multiple plans and they have contingencies and they have if-thens all over, you know, the heavily guarded whiteboards in Marvel headquarters. But if you do not just read the tea leaves, look at the entertainments they're making in terms of the multiverse and the time travel that was in uh, Endgame and the folding in and you know doing it in a kind of witty, winking way of these other universes, the Fox universe of X-Men stuff and the Spider-Man stuff and the Sony stuff, how it's all kind of sharing space. And we hear about the Spider-Man movie is probably going to have that Spider-Man pointing at Spider-Man meme moment. We all know Miles Morales is coming in some form or another. And they've been very coy about what the next giant story is. Like, what could top what they did with Infinity War and Endgame? Mm -hmm. Where could it be going? What is worthy of the Avengers again? And the thing at the end of this is probably, if they can pull it off, and there's no reason to think they can't, some version of Secret Wars, you know, where they get everybody... And they all have to fight to fix this timeline that they've spent however many years, you know, having a ball destroying. Right. Um, that feels like a place where all of this could go, but it's not going to go there in next week's Loki. It's not going to get there in quantum mania. I, I think that they've been smart to just lay the breadcrumbs, make everything feel equally important, which lowers the temperature, but also shares the heat among all these projects. And then, you know, we get through the next couple of movies that got delayed. We see what Eternals is about and if that even works. And by the time we're on the other side of that, I bet something significant will be will be announced that will lead us to whatever comes next. You got to be as zen about Marvel. Like, you got to be as zen about flying as you are about Marvel. It's just going to be fine. 
<laughs> not, not to get too high or too low. Um, we can wrap up the Loki stuff there. Andy and I are back on Monday for an episode we already recorded where we react. Uh, we did a, a, a listener mailbag, which is great. You guys sent great questions in. We also talked a little bit about the first episode of White Lotus, uh, which is the new HBO show that's coming, I believe, on Sunday night. Um, that comes from Mike White, who you might know and love from his work on um, Enlightened. And yeah, we have a lot to say about that show. I think it's best for you guys to see it first, but we just wanted to give you a heads up that that we will be talking about on that on Monday. Yeah, it's an enjoyable watch. It's an interesting watch. It's uh, set in a Hawaiian resort, so it is a pretty watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and it let our it, it it sparked a pretty good conversation about a lot of different things. We should also note. I don't think anyone wants more Marvel talk from us at this moment, but because of our travel into the eye of the storm, That's right. um, we will not be covering Black Widow on Monday, which is releasing tomorrow and on you know the tiered 30 bucks on Disney Plus. So we will watch it. We'll talk about it maybe by Thursday, but we will not be covering it on Monday. And I'm so sorry because I, I, Chris, I don't think anyone else on the internet is going to cover Black Widow this weekend. <laughs> will you be watching Gossip Girl with me? Do you want a polite answer or the truth? I, I, I guess like I, I want a little, like, give me a little bit of both. Give me like the, the polite truthful answer. No. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I didn't watch the first one. I, oh, I, I would just be, I would just be lost. Oh, I thought you were a big, uh, you were, you were like XOXO for life. No, I was living it. You were you such know? a Blair. Yeah. Chris, the downtown Demimond was my playground at That's the right. same time. And I was like, this is too, I need a break from reality. Thanks to, so much to uh, Sasha for producing us today. Uh, we will be back on Monday uh, with the episode we mentioned and, and then hope you guys have a great weekend. Safe travels, Iceman. We'll see you in the skies. <laughs> <laughs>